0: Hey friends, welcome to the Everyday Mealmanship Podcast. My name is Ty Evans. Thank you for tuning in today. Glad you're here. I want to do a debrief on our latest clinic in Sayurita, Arizona. This is our third year coming down here to Sayurita. We just got done yesterday and uh, it was a good clinic. Really, really happy people. And I'm going to talk a little bit about attitude today because... It makes such a difference. Last week we had a, you know, I told you about a few individuals that were were smiling a lot. And, you know, this week almost almost everybody was really happy. And it makes such a difference. It It, it gives the clinic a whole different feel to it when people are happy. And that doesn't mean that everything is going perfect or that it's all going, you know, great the whole time. But people had really good attitudes, people worked really hard here, um, a lot of try, everybody was on time, which is always something I'm grateful for. So it was a lot of fun, so let's dive in here. Sayurita, Arizona, third year coming down here, and uh, this year we had participants from all over, we had participants come from Arizona all over the this state, of course, California, Colorado, Utah, um, even had a participant all the way from Michigan, so it was pretty cool um We had a variety of mules um and horses, and we had one donkey in this clinic too so that was that was pretty fun. You know people are starting to get the idea about what I do We've been doing these clinics now for nine years nine years a lot has changed for sure um but one thing I'm really grateful for is is a lot of people are starting to get the idea of who I am and what they can expect from me and from my, my clinics, you know. And folks are learning that this isn't just for some specific breed. Um, you know, you don't just have to have a quarter horse mule. Um, does, you don't just have to have a gated mule. You don't just have to have a donkey. You don't just have to have a horse. This is all just good mulemanship, horsemanship, all the above. And it doesn't matter what you ride or where you ride. This stuff is all applicable. We, In these clinics, you know, every class is individual. But, you know, we work on what you need. And we work on you as the participant, as a person. I'm here to help you. I want to bring out your best. If I can help you bring out your best, you're going to bring out your mule's best or your horse's best or your donkey's best. So... You know, that's what I'm here for. People had pretty dang good work ethic here. I was really surprised we had we had a few triple dippers, meaning these people did all three classes. See, here in Sayurita, I did foundation mealmanship in the morning. Midday, we did mealmanship one. And in the afternoon, we did cow working. Foundation was full. Mealmanship one was, was over full. And the cow working was just about full. We had eight people in the cow working. We only take 10. So it was it was a really good turnout. Very good turnout. And, you know, these folks that did all three classes, there's one fellow I want to mention here. I don't know if, if he listens to these podcasts, but I'll talk about him. Because he was really inspirational. His name was Ryan. And this guy, man, he he, he had a heck of a work ethic and he worked his mule named Ted every day in the foundation class and then um he rode another mule named Sarah in the mulemanship 1 and in the cow working he'd never worked cattle before he'd never been around much cow working before so it was completely new to him when he did the cow working class but you know right before the class started on the first day he said hey you know do you got any openings in that cow working and we said absolutely we can get you in and he said ah, i don't know anything about cows I don't know anything. I've never done this before. We got him in. And, um, you know, that guy smiled the whole time. He had a lot of fun. Um, I know he, along with pretty much everybody else in the cow working class, found stuff to work on. And, you know, that's that's one of my favorite things about when we do a cow class or, a you know, like one of these trail riding clinics or whatever. We're applying the mealmanship or applying the horsemanship we we apply it and then you can see what you really need to work on and the cow working you know the cattle do a really good job of humbling you so just when you think you're you're really rocking it and you got some good stuff going you think your meal's really centered and you think that you you've really made some advancement j- just go play with cattle a little bit and and they will either confirm that for you and you can say good job or they will show you just what it is you need to work on. And we all found stuff, including me. I rode my uh, my big red mule, Riatta. I rode her in the cow working class. And, you know, that big mule, I'm still working on trying to get her to stop good and get her back nice, you know. Um, to most people's standards, she'll stop and back just fine. But, you know, I'd like a little more refinement. And, and that's taken me some time. But these cattle really showed me where I need to improve on. So... I got some work to do on that for sure. Um overall in the clinic we had all about half of the participants were repeats and half were were new participants. It's great to see the new folks. I, I love more people getting interested in, in uh being better. That's what this is all about is being better. And so I love it when folks are 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 finding that they need to work on themselves to really help their animals and of course it's a blessing to have the repeats there you know I, I love seeing these same individuals come back and get better you know there's uh, so, some of these ladies in this particular clinic there's a handful of ladies here that have been riding with me now for six or seven years it's it's pretty cool you know seeing their progression and and how far they how far they come in you know all these years it's amazing and You know, I like when they come back because we can keep pushing and get further and further and further and make more progress. I really enjoy that. And, you know, talking to some of my mentors when it comes to the clinics, that sometimes the biggest hang-up as a clinician is, you know, if you just keep getting new people coming back to every clinic and you don't keep your your regulars there, um, for lack of better words, the clinics get stagnant, you know, it's not as fun as for a clinician to you know just come teach the same thing over and over it's fun when you have people that are there they want to get better and each year you see their progress and there's some of these mules now it's it's pretty fun because some of these mules now I've known for many years and I've followed their progress since colt starting now all the way through and they're and they're doing great so that's that's a lot of fun and you know, one individual I'll comment on here is Lisa, and I know Lisa listens to my podcast. Lisa is awesome; she hosts some clinics for us, and and one of our best friends. But she's she's been coming to these clinics since 2015, and um, it's just such a blessing to have somebody like that come because, like I said, you can see their progress; you can see how far they've come, the confidence that they have. You'd think that, geez, somebody keeps coming. They would run out of questions how would you know if they can if they came to these clinics so often they're going to run out of things to ask they're basically going to know everything, and it's just the opposite of that. People like Lisa, um, another lady that was here, good friend of ours been coming for years is Cami lundine you know these people you know they've been they've been getting better but but they have more and more questions the more they come. It's not like they think, well, I've been there, done that, I know everything. It's like the doors are opening. And I've talked about that with my own mealmanship journey where, um, you know, I used to think it's kind of like reaching the point, the top of the mountain, right? You, You know, as you're learning these things, I used to think there's so much to learn in the beginning. And then as you get better and better and better, you get to the point of the mountain that someday you'll know it all. You'll know the whole thing. You know, there'll be nothing new to you and i've learned it's just the opposite of that you're you're on an upside down mountain so in the beginning you think there's only a little to learn and but with every door i open there's three more that need to be opened and i feel like there's so much more for me to learn now than there ever has been and this truth is coming to pass through these these participants that have been coming for years you know they've been coming for a long time They've seen a lot of changes in my clinics. You know, the way I do things now is a lot different than I did them five years ago and definitely, definitely way different than, uh, you know, nine years ago. Um, I don't have any participants coming that came to my clinics nine years ago. And looking back, I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all because, geez, if I came to my clinic nine years ago, I wouldn't want to come back either. And so, um, but I try to get better. And um, it's pretty cool seeing these people get better too. So, you know, something else I've noticed now since we're nine years down the road doing these clinics is, is more and more people are coming prepared. And, I, and I'm not exactly sure why, whether that's a culture that we've worked on developing um, or, or maybe it's like, I don't know, it, it could be our videos, maybe the video library. You know, there's a lot of subscribers on the video library. Maybe they... Maybe they they watch those videos and they know what to expect from me, so they come more prepared. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but people are coming more prepared. I'm seeing, I'm seeing more people show up for the groundwork classes with good rope halters, good fitting rope halters, not baggy hanging off the nose rope halters. They're they're bringing good fitting rope halters. They're bringing good lead ropes. I'm seeing less and less people show up with chains and. And uh, nose pinchers and all sorts of dumb, you know, gadgets, gadgets and gimmicks. You know that people, when I first started with show up, I used to come to these clinics and people would show up with. I'd see all kinds of barbaric stuff. You know, all kinds of stuff people show up with, and you know now folks show up with good rope palter, good lead rope. They're ready to go In, in the mealmanship classes. You know, it's it's getting more and more rare. That somebody doesn't show up in mealmanship one with a snaffle bit or a hackamore um, and that's that's great because the stuff we learn in that that's good that's a good class to to wear the snaffle bit or wear the hackamore and when I say hackamore, I'm referring to the traditional hackamore um so people are coming prepared they're ready, you know, and I don't have to give the give the bit talks near as much as I did years ago, you know and um very few people showing up with tie downs and with combination bits and gag bits and shanks you know a mile long you know people aren't showing up with these anymore and it's really impressive um people kind of learning how to give their mule, their horses a good deal helping them uh, helping them by using the correct tools for the correct job and people are are starting to learn the you know, what what the progressions are. So there's not just a, a, such a thing as a mule bit. You got to use this on a mule. That's not a thing. And folks are starting to get that. And it's pretty cool. So that preparedness has had a consequence on the clinics. And that consequence is, or reward, I guess I should say, is that people are ready to learn uh, both mentally and physically with the correct tools, um, but they they show up and they're ready. They got questions. They're ready to make some progress, and it it makes such a big difference. So, anyways, just I want to say thanks to all the participants that that came prepared like that. It, it's so cool seeing that here. And um, well, let's dive into some of these highlights of this clinic. This this clinic debrief for you. Um, you know. We took Dally, so I hope you guys have been following along with the Dally Diaries. We got that series going on on our YouTube channel, and then the the full-length videos are on the video library, and I send out a free newsletter every Monday with um, a little update on Dally and a little video. Um, So this was Dally's first clinic, first time on the road, and we left uh, left early, about 3 a.m. on Tuesday morning, and she was great to catch, loaded right up in the dark, and we hit the road. And 12 hours later, we unload in sunny Arizona. So they go from snow and cold and freezing to about, you know, when we got here, it was about 60 degrees and just beautiful. And, um, you know, the first day of the clinic, um, she did pretty well, but I didn't have her saddled. I just took her out there. I didn't, We you know, the first day of the clinic is real busy checking people in and and, um, a lot of questions, a lot of people coming up to say hello and shake hands and visit and, and, um, say hi. And, and so I didn't saddle her up that morning. Um, I just took her out and, and I started the session by just doing a little groundwork, showing everybody the progressions that we're going to make, what we're going to be doing for the week. And I just used her for about a 20 minute demo. And then I, uh, let Sky take her and Sky took her over to the corner of the, and just tied her up for the class and, and anyways Delly did great that first day day two i had time so i saddled her up and Delly is still tight with that saddle she's not bucking and blowing up like she used to but she's still pretty tight with that saddle and gets a little nervous and and if the stirrups kind of flop or whatever she still kind of wants to flee the scene and and this is still after her wearing that saddle quite a long while you know quite a while and so she's getting better but still not good anyways she was pretty touchy that second day and, um, but we would just kind of work through it. Same thing. I demoed a little bit and then let Sky take her. And on, uh, on day three, day three with Dally here, um, you know, she was doing good. I was doing some demo work with her and showing her. And then I let, then Sky. you know, she doesn't have, Skye doesn't have to do the homeschool thing with the girls on Saturdays. So, um, Skye could play in the whole clinic with us and, so Sky work Dally. Dally is Sky's mule after all. So um Sky's doing a little work and next thing I know I look over and Dally's running off. <laughs> and I'm like, what is what is going on here? And anyways, you know, if you just push that mule a little too much, she's gonna look for comfort somewhere else. And that's kind of what happened. And um you know, it it was kind of a, a relief factor to a couple of the others because there was two other participants there in class that were dealing with Mules that wanted to bolt, and in fact, one mule did take off with a lady and got away from her. And, and you know, in the groundwork class, th- this is this is maybe going to happen with some horses. And um you know, and it and it happened the last day as well. After the clinic, a lady was a good friend of ours was loading up her horse and in her trailer, and and uh, the horse got away from her. The horse took off running, and, and so. That comes with the territory of doing these clinics because people are coming here for help. So I'm here to help them and give them stuff to work on and hopefully they can take it home and get better. But it rarely happens with our own animals, you know. Um, but Dally is tough. She's tough. She's touchy. She's worried. She's a highly sensitive meal, which is going to be really cool to ride someday. Um, but in this whole education process, boy, it's, it's challenging. Anyways... Sky at the end, she's like, "Now I know how it feels when people's mules run off with them, and it sure doesn't feel good." <laughs> you know, she was a little upset. I said, "Oh, no big deal. You know, it's just really no big deal. You just catch them and go again, and that's exactly what we did." Caught Dally up, got back to work, and let Sky finish her session. And um, so Dally's first clinic was funny to me. She was worried. She was she was so um. Interested in all the animals, you know, she'd never seen so many animals in her life. I got a lot of meals at home, but she'd never seen, you know, 30, 40 meals at one place. So, uh, and horses and donkeys. So it was good for her to get out. And I can't wait for her to finish out this whole year, this whole season and keep getting better. But, uh, so that's Dally's little highlight. Um, something else I wanted to mention you know, I've never known anybody, I don't have anybody that has been coming to my clinics that has ever had the desire to make a bridle donkey. <laughs> that might sound funny to some of you, but I've never had anybody interested in, in going through the progressions, making a bridle donkey. Um, i got a lot of friends that make bridle horses. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, but a few. And there's a few more that want to make bridle, bridle horses, you know, bridle mules and bridle horses. Um... um but i've never had anybody with a desire to make a bridal donkey well this awesome woman here named michelle she brought her mu- her donkey named rosie and rosie just is three, just this three this really sweet um i think she said she was three or four so just real young donkey and um michelle i don't know wh- whether she was really joking with me or or if she was really serious with me um but she said she's going to make a bridal donkey and i really hope she does I really hope she does. And just to have a little chat about donkeys. I don't feel like people give them enough credit for what they're capable of. So it's so refreshing to see somebody like Michelle that really wants to do well. And Michelle's not falling into all the donkey traps, meaning you you have to drag a donkey around. Donkeys have to have chains and you got to have a come along hitch and you got to drag them around everywhere Um, and they're not capable of, of turning and stopping and backing real nice and making nice transitions and you know donkeys are great animals I love donkeys I love how mellow they are Um, they're fantastic mountain animals and trail animals Um, really good family animals overall and and so it was refreshing seeing Michelle work with Rosie and with this goal in mind of you know she said she wanted to make a a bridal donkey so i'm taking her serious and i'm going to help her make a bridal donkey and i hope she comes to another clinic and continues so i can continue to help her but you got to give them donkeys more credit folks a lot of people don't don't give them the credit they deserve um but i've seen some amazing donkeys it's fun going out to bishop meal days every year if you've never been to bishop meal days here's a plug for bishop meal days because it's all it's a lot of fun it's it's awesome and you're going to see some incredible animals athletes some some great animal athletes you know you got donkeys that are are there the donkeys doing all the same classes as the mules are they're they're doing the reining and they're doing the cow working and um they got dressage there they got hundred jumpers they uh the the whole spectrum anything you want to do there with a mule you can do it there with a donkey it's it's really cool so um yeah donkeys are great animals and i you know, in a typical year like last year, I think maybe all year long we had, I'm not sure, maybe somewhere between um, 30 to 40 donkeys come through the clinics. So not a lot compared to the five or 600 mules that come through and maybe one or 200 horses a year. Um, so not near as many, but they're really cool animals. So if you've ever thought about a riding donkey... Um, And you're, you know, you want something that's a little more mellow, likely, and a little bit more laid back, then donkeys may be a good fit for you. So, me and Skye always talk about how our little, our little sweet redhead daughter, Swayze, she's, she needs a donkey. (laughs) Swayze is, Swayze is donkey speed. She needs a nice, quiet donkey. I think that'd be good for her. So, one of these days, if I find a good donk, I might get it for Swayze, so... But it was cool seeing Michelle work at these things. And um, next year, I hope Michelle... If you're listening to this, I'm going to hold you to it. But Michelle and Rosie, um, they might come to the this clinic again and do the cow working with us. And I hope they do. I'd love to have a donkey in the cow working class. I've never had anybody with a donkey come and do the cow working. It's always just mules and horses. I would love to have a donkey do the cow working. And I think they could do it. So... You know, speaking of the cow working um i wanna i wanna talk about this a little bit because the cow working class was a lot of fun here um this was probably one of my one of my favorite clinics doing the cow working um and not because the cattle were good the cattle were terrible here they were terrible the first day these cows uh, were we ended up using a bunch of rope and steers these coriani roping steers. And my goodness, are they sour. You know, all these corianas have ever done is jumped out of a chute and taken off running down the arena. And so they're used to being chased. They have no respect for the other horses, the other mules, or you. They don't care. They'll just push through you. So day one was really challenging in the cow working. Everybody got pushed on. Everybody had a cow run through them or past them. And... It was miserable for all of us, so we kinda schooled the cattle. We we worked on getting the cattle trained on the first day so that hopefully day two and three we could actually enjoy these things and, and get something done. And it worked out pretty good for us. And so so the first day we just we moved the cattle around a lot around the arena and we all worked together. Day two and day three we split up in small groups and um or pairs and or, or groups of three, teams of three, teams of four, or whatever. And we played a variety of games. We've got a whole bunch of different games that we play um, in the cow working classes. It's it's a lot of fun. And, you know, for the cow working, you don't have to be, um, you know, an amazing cutter or, or amazing, you know, rain cow horse person to come do this. You know, we call this class intro to cow working. It's the introduction to cow working. And it takes a lot of time, a lot of years, a lot of repetitions a lot of practice to get good working cattle with your mules and your horses. Anyways, day 2 and day 3 were a lot more fun because these cattle were a little bit more mellow and they were kind of trained up a little bit and they were they weren't quite as pushy and and they weren't getting past as near as much. But kind of like I mentioned a little earlier, you know, this cow working stuff, it's so good even if you're even if you you know, so most of these people here in this clinic um they don't do anything with cattle for a living. Uh they don't run cattle for a living. Um and they're not into any any cow working or cattle type sports, um, equine sports. They're they just did the cow working here for fun. Just completely for fun. None of them were professionals at this. And so it was a lot of fun to be able to to get folks like this that were just there. To have a good time and see what their mules and their horses could do, and it's a great way for you to to work with these cattle, move these cattle around, and it'll tell you what you need to work on. Like I mentioned earlier, it will humble you. For sure, it'll tell you, "Wow, my stops are not near as good as I thought they were." My, you know, talk about trot departures and canter departures. Most of us had a hard time getting a trot or a canter departure, getting a stop getting a turn, and a counter-departure. We had to do that many, many times. And, you know, if you couldn't get it, you're late. And these cattle here, they'd beat you every time. And so it was good to find things to work on. And most of all, though, the cow working, even if, like I said, most of these people here, this is the only time they're going to do anything with cattle until I come back next year and we do it again. And... There's a lot of value, though. There's a ton of value in giving your mule a purpose to work. Give them a purpose to work, and um, we found that. So, all right, milmanship one. This class had a lot of highlights to it, but there's there's a couple that um, I want to talk about. Um, uh, a nice lady by the name of Heidi. Um, was here with her horse. Actually, it was a friend's horse. The horse name was Clem. And Heidi had a ton of work to do on getting this horse to have a good expression. For lack of better words and lack of better labels, um, this horse was very sour, meaning it was not happy at all about Heidi riding him was not happy about being directed. Not happy about going through the transitions. You know, and one specific example I want to talk about is we're working on transitions to the lope. Okay, from the walk trot to the lope. And every time Heidi would ask for this horse to lope, this horse would kick out and just throw a little fit. It didn't blow up and buck or anything, but it would kick out and just act like a little turd, you know. Um. So... We had a big talk, a big lesson, basically, about expression. And, you know, when, when this happens, and maybe you've dealt with it, maybe you've had a mule or a horse or a donkey that has done this as well, it's really easy to just blame the animal. It's like, oh, he's just a, he's just a rude horse. He just, doesn't, he just doesn't like this. He's just mean. Um, he's just sour, like we said, you know. It all comes down to one thing. The horse doesn't see anything in it for them. If the horse doesn't see anything in it for them, they are not interested in doing it. And they will get more sour and more sour. And they will try harder not to do it as time goes. So you got to set it up. So what I had Heidi do, for example. So I had her ask for the lope. She gets her horse into the lope. And it's kicking. And, and it was it was biting her, too, during class. When when she was working on you know rolling the hinds, rolling the front, and things like that, this horse would reach around and bite her on the foot. So he had some major issues going on with his expression. He was not a he was not a happy horse. Well, how can we make him happy? Well, he's got to know there's something in it for him to do these things. He's just fine if he's sitting there and you're not asking him for anything. So this is what we did. Like I said, we got this horse into the lope, and he's and he's trying to reach around and bite and he's he's kicking out and he's tossing his head he's uncomfortable um and she gets him into the lope and just as soon as he relaxes and i'm watching his expression i'm watching his ears watching his eyes i'm watching the tightness of his muzzle watching his tail his tail in the beginning is just swishing that tail is going back and forth there's swish 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 and he's got his ears pinned His eyes are tight. His nose is tight. He's got that top lip sticking out with that big brace. You know, all these things are happening. So I'm watching, and while she's loping this horse, as soon as he let down a little bit, I said, there! And she slowed down, right back down to a slow walk, and just left him alone. And this is basically the formula. You know, there's other things that you want to check. If you're dealing with this expression issues with your animal... It's always good to have have their backs checked, their bones, have your vet check everything, make sure that make sure there's no injuries because a lot of times this this happens because of pain. Maybe they hurt. Um then they kind of get that sour expression because of that pain. Uh maybe it's it's their teeth. Sometimes their teeth will kind of get them a little onry. They're not happy. Um you know, Whatever it might be, you, I like to check on the physical elements, if there is any. And then once you've checked that off, then it's behavior. Then you got to focus on the behavior, and that's kind of where we're at with this horse, was working on the behavior, working on this behavior, and this is how we did it. We asked that animal, we asked him to lope. When he finally loped, and he relaxed, and he let down, even the smallest little example of letting down, so much as, Those ears that were back just kind of barely going forward halfway would ease up. And you got to do that over and over again. And you're going to ask small questions. And then you're going to give them really big rewards and just leave them alone. Anyways, over time, Heidi's going to get this worked out with this horse clam here for sure. Um, But I care about their expressions. And here's the difference between me and maybe a lot of other people out there is that my my mules, my horses, my donkeys, they are not my slaves. They are my partners. We're on the same team, and I care how they feel about this stuff. It's not so much important to me that they do it, whatever it is I ask, that they stop, that they back up, that they trot, they lope, they cross water. It's not so much that they just do those things, but it's how they do it. It's how they do it and what kind of expression they have when they do it. That's what I care about. If I can get my mule happy doing whatever it is I ask, I promise they will do it again and they'll do it over and over again. If they're happy. If they're not happy, if they're not happy, it's not going to happen. Speaking of transitions, um, I mentioned my friend Cammie that was here. Now, Cammie has a mule named Slippers that we sold at Jake Clark's meal days back in two thousand sixteen, and the guy that bought her didn't get along with her. Anyways, long story short, Cammy ended up with this meal slippers. Slippers is a great meal. I love slippers. Cammy loves slippers. Um, really good meal. But this this clinic here, um, Cammy rode slippers in the cow working, and in the beginning of the cow working class, cow working is also like basically a mealmanship 2 class with something to do, <laughs> right? With the cattle. But in the beginning of this mulemanship too. Or excuse me. The cow working class. I have everybody work on transitions. So we're working on a walk trot lope. Right off the bat. And Cammie goes to ask Slippers to lope. And Slippers is feeling pretty good. She's feeling pretty good. She takes off. And she's kind of tossing her head. And and looking like like she could blow up any minute. She's kind of looking like she might maybe want to buck a little bit. Um, And this is different than... The horse Clem, I was just talking about. Clem had a very, very sour expression. Slippers is kind of like, woohoo, let's have it, let's dance, you know. And, um, you know, a lot of people, when the mule would start doing something like that, a lot of people would just pull back on both reins and try to shut that mule down when they're like that. I want to comment and commend Cammie for pushing through this when slippers was like that i said go keep going push her push her and she pushed her through all that crap all that little getting getting jiggy throwing her head whatever you want to call it she pushed through that stuff and she got slippers lined out and going through transitions good and from then on she shifted trot to lope trot to lope until this transition got smooth and there wasn't such a big reaction from Slippers going into it. So good job, Cami for pushing through that. You know, a lot of people, like I said, would pull on that mule right there. When she got to loping and that mule started tossing its head and kind of bouncing around back and forth, most people would pull on that mule. And when they pulled on it, it might be just enough brace, just enough pop to make that mule blow up and buck. Um, I'm not saying this this would happen with, with Cammy and Slippers in this instance, but I have seen it, I've seen it so many times. When a mule or a horse takes off, the person pulls back on both reins, and it turns into a bronc ride. And if you listen to earlier podcast episodes, we've talked about, um, I've talked about my one of my mentors, Louis Fields. This guy was amazing. He was an expert on um, getting horses to buck right. It's when I rodeoed. He's my coach. And I've talked about how pulling on the horse pulling on the mule will actually assist them in bucking and that's what you don't want to do folks right you don't want to help them you don't want to help them buck better we don't want that we're not brown riders. we're not brown riders. we want to have fun um on our rides we don't want to be getting bucked off this job doesn't pay enough to do that so anyways good job cammy pushing through that you know they have to slow down to buck you guys so if you if you're out there and you're loping around and your mules your horses start feeling a little frisky push through that ask them to go faster because they have to slow down to buck that's a hard thing to fathom it's super easy for me just to say it's really hard for you guys to do and um, a lot of you listening may not know what i'm talking about but i don't want to go into too much detail on this episode about this i want to I want to talk about something else that that was really challenging—a mulemanship one for this particular group of people. Um, and thank goodness, like I mentioned earlier, that their attitudes were great because they just kept working at it. But you know, these mules typically are heavy on the forehand; they're heavy on that front end, okay. And so, teaching the mules to shift to their hindquarters and get light on the fronts is is often one of the most challenging lateral moves as soon as you get this lateral move the rest of it's a piece of cake but typically this is pretty challenging to do in the beginning and uh you know the mealmanship one class here was no exception to that but i want to comment on how important it is to get better control of the quarters, and that's something i kind of saw here was there was a little lack in control of the quarters. There, there was a little bit of um uh not all of us had really good control of those hind quarters, And if you don't have good control of the hind quarters, it's really hard to have a good base and to be able to move those front. Remember, you have to be able to move a foot before you can stop a foot. I'm talking about accurately. Move a foot accurately to stop it accurately. And this is something that lacked a little bit. And so, consequently, this that move rolling the hind rolling the front was quite a challenge. So, you know, I'd encourage you, if you're having any issues moving your mules forehand, getting that front end light, do a better job on the hindquarters. You get the hindquarters going good, that front end will be much, much easier to move. And yes, you do need to be able to move that front end. A lot of people spend their whole lives riding and all they ever do is big semi-truck turns. You know, give me 40 acres and I'll turn this rig around. Um, you don't need that. You don't need that. You can stop, get back on the haunches, turn your mule right around. You can make nice, sharp, crisp turns. And some of you, some of us just don't know what we don't know. Sometimes it's hard to imagine what it could be like. But, you know, if you get some of that going, it is pretty cool. And it's really fun to ride. So I'd encourage you to get good at that. So... Let's see. I got one more comment for you guys. Okay. A uh, fellow named Kevin here. He's actually a host of our Cave Creek Clinic. Um, Kevin came down here and wrote, and, and we're going up to, to Cave Creek next. So next next week, when you hear me do my debrief, I may be talking about Kevin again. But Kevin's a good man. And this guy, I just got a comment because him, along with many many others, almost almost everybody else. Um just worked really hard they didn't quit you know in the groundwork class Kevin was having a heck of a time getting his mule Levi to clear the front hardest time just like what I was just talking about getting this mule back on its haunches and moving that front end from the ground he was having a heck of a time and I could just see his frustration finally I I went and I helped him and I set it up I set it up real easy for that mule to be successful and that mule moved very easily for me and I could just see that guy's Frustration like, oh, come on, Ty just did that. How come I can't do that? But he didn't quit. He worked and worked and worked at it every day. And by the end, it was looking much better. He didn't quit. He had faith in the process. He said, okay, well, this is what Ty taught me. This is how he did it. I saw Ty do it. I know I can do it. And he did it. He worked at it. He didn't quit. And there are so many other people in this clinic. I wish I could just go through and talk about everybody in the clinic because everybody did such a good job. But, you know, I guess my highlights for the Sayurita Clinic and what I want to mention in this debrief was the happy attitudes and the hard work, the great work ethic. Everybody here had good attitudes. They smiled. It made such a difference. And they had a great work ethic. If you guys are happy... If you have that attitude of gratitude and then you got a work ethic I promise you there's nothing you guys can't get done and I'm not just talking about mules I'm talking about everything there's nothing you won't be able to um, do you know you guys will be able to do anything you want it's pretty cool so good job to the participants of Sayurita our Sayurita, Sayurita Arizona Clinic good job to all of you um, I hope I hope the participants of this clinic, I hope they felt my, my love for them. And I hope they felt my sincerity to help. And, you know, I, I, I feel that way about every clinic I do. I'm very passionate about what I do, you guys. I really am. I love it. I love to help. absolutely love to help. And I hope these people felt that. And I hope when you come to one of my clinics that you will feel that too. So, anyways, good job, Cyrita. Hey, and thank you to our host, uh, Alyssa Berry. Appreciate her hosting this clinic for three years now, putting this on for us. She does a great job. So thank you, guys. And, you know, if you got a clinic coming up, if you're planning to attend one of our clinics, I highly recommend you check out our video library. Go to tsmules.com, click on the online video library tab, and it'll take you there. But that'll help you be prepared. Remember I mentioned these people are more prepared The more prepared you are and the more familiar you are are with what we do, um, the more we can get done. The more questions you're going to have, the more I can help you. So I highly recommend you check that out if you're planning to attend one of my clinics. And uh, if you aren't planning to attend a clinic, you should. Check out our website, tsmules.com. You can look at our clinic schedule. We go all over the U.S. this year, and hopefully we get to Canada Hopefully we get to Australia this year and and don't get kicked out of there uh, because of the COVID stuff. But uh, hey, thanks for listening. God bless you, and we will see you down the road.